our service at church and everything we do in his name. It needs to be in accordance with his word, by his directions and by his leading and by the revelation that the Holy Spirit brings to us in his word. But one of the most important things that you will hear is faith comes by hearing the word of God. Nothing takes the place of that to build your faith. Nothing. Because the Bible says that's our faith builder. That's where our faith is built and strengthened, lifted and encouraged. I believe that. And that's why when I preach to you, I try to come to you with what God's Word says and deliver to you a declaration of God's Word. And we believe that for this pulpit at all times. I know Pastor Billy feels the same way. I don't want to bring to you something that is not God's Word. I guess this is so clearly on my mind because in the last day or so, I was looking for something on the Internet, on YouTube actually. I was looking for a couple of songs that I wanted to hear and play and refresh myself on. And as so often happened, they put things in that I wasn't asking for, wasn't looking for, but they thought I'd be interested in. Fascinating how they make those decisions for you, isn't it? Anyway, I started watching one of those things that was criticism of preachers. I don't usually do that. But I thought, well, let me just see what this is all about. It said it's like five minutes or something like that. And I don't want to be one of those people that criticizes other preachers. Never want to be. Some things need to be corrected. Some things need to be explained. And some things need to be told straightforwardly so we realize what they mean and what they are. But I did hear one thing say said. Actually, I heard two things said. By very prominent people, if I were to call their name, you would know instantly who I'm talking about. I'm not going to call any names, but I will just tell you they're very prominent people. And both of them made statements that I do not believe are, are true to God's Word. One of them said, Jesus, when he was a young man, grew up, and at a point in time, as he got older, God sent his Holy Spirit and touched him, and then he became, he was the Son of Man, then he became the Son of God. That's not true. There's no way that's true. Jesus was the Son of God, and when he was born... Born of the Holy Spirit, born a virgin birth. He was certainly man, but he was also God. That's what the Bible teaches. It doesn't teach anything else. And then I heard someone say, when they were asked about Jesus being the only way of salvation, well, you know, I love Jesus, but I was in India not long ago, and I was with some Hindu people, and they really love God too. If you're a Hindu, you believe in multiple gods. Everybody in India is not a Hindu. You don't put the same two together. I don't know if this person thought they were all the same or not. I don't know what he thought. But I know what he thought was wrong. Because he was saying, they love God too. Listen, this is what the Bible says about people who love God. Those who love God keep his commandments. If you've got multiple gods, you don't even know God. So that's wrong too. And what I'm talking about in giving you this illustration is, when you hear the Bible preached or when you hear preaching from the pulpit, you need to hear the Bible and you need to hear the Word of God. And everything that's said up here in the place that is not the Word of God. I may say some things that are illustrations that maybe sometimes are lighthearted. But I'm not going to tell you anything as a teaching that is wrong, that is not in accord with God's Word, that does not comport with what God has said and wants us to know and understand. And so today, 
I trust that everything I give you is going to be the Word of God and that it will build your faith as it is designed to do. I call my message today, God will make a way. God will make a way. I'm looking for it to come on up here, but I guess my message today is First Assembly, Experience Life. No, 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 it, my message today is still God will make a way. Now, I want to declare that to you this morning. I'm going to read for you and follow me if you like. Read it with you if you have your Bible. I'm going to start reading in uh, Acts chapter 9. This is starting at verse 20 in Acts chapter 9. Paul, who was Saul of Tarsus, had been saved on the Damascus Road. Had a great experience as the Lord transformed his life and touched him with mighty power and brought him to Jesus. Revealed Jesus to him. He was blind for three days. Ananias went and prayed for him. The scales fell off his eyes. And when that happened, he immediately started to preach in the synagogues, the gathering places in Damascus, that Jesus of Nazareth was God's Son, the Christ of glory. You'll find that in the preceding verses before I start reading. He was preaching that Jesus Christ is Lord. And for some days he was with the disciples at Damascus. And now verse 20. And immediately he proclaimed Jesus in the synagogues, saying, He is the Son of God. And all who heard him were amazed and said, Is not this the man who made havoc in Jerusalem of all those who called upon his name? And has he not come here for this purpose, to bind them, to bring them bound before the chief priests? That is why he came to Damascus. But just before he got there, his plans were changed. Changed by the mighty experience and the presence and power of Jesus Christ. But Saul increased all the more in strength and confounded the Jews who lived in Damascus by proving that Jesus was the Christ. And when many days had passed, the Jews plotted to kill him. They entered into a conspiracy that they were going to murder Saul of Tarsus. But their plot became known to Saul. They were watching the gates day and night in order to kill him. But his disciples took him by night and led him down through an opening in the wall, lowering him in a basket. Father, I pray that you will touch the lips of your servant. May your child bring to your children in this place a mighty word from God that will draw us close to you and build our faith as you reveal yourself to us through your truth. In Jesus' name, amen. So when Saul was saved, he had no time to go to any teaching. He had no time to go to learn about the Christian way. But he didn't need to. Because you see, he thoroughly knew the Old Testament, knew the prophecies of the Old Testament. That's why the Bible says he could prove to them that Jesus of Nazareth was God's son, God's Messiah for the glory of God. So he could prove it to them. Nobody could question Saul's credentials of learning and education. He knew what he was talking about. He knew the Old Testament. Back and forth. Every part of it. Knew the prophecies that proclaimed that a Messiah was coming. He never believed that Messiah was Jesus of Nazareth till that day on the Damascus Road. But when Jesus revealed himself to him, and Saul saw him for who he was and is, 
he began to proclaim that Jesus of Nazareth was God's Messiah, God's deliverer for the people. And as always, those people who were entrenched in their religious traditions and all and beliefs that they didn't want to change turned against him and they conspired to kill him. The best way you got the way to get rid of an enemy in those days was just to kill him. Some people still trying that today. But there are laws against it. So Saul was put up on the, on the most wanted list in the city of Damascus among the Jews, the Israelites. The most wanted man was Saul of Tarsus. They put his name up in all the synagogues, put his poster up, so somebody would help them apprehend him so they could take him out and kill him. What would have happened if, that, if they had been successful? As a whole New Testament, I'm sure God would have found somebody else to write it. But the point is, God had called Saul of Tarsus. He said, go into Damascus, into the city after he falls on the ground, and you will be told what to do. Ananias talked to him and told him. God revealed him what he wanted to do. He started doing it. He proclaimed Jesus is the Messiah of God. And so then they started to try to kill him. If they had succeeded, everything would have been different in the New Testament. But here's what God does. When the enemy makes a plan against God's assigned person, against God's chosen child, when the enemy makes a plan against him, God has a way of tearing up that plan, succeeding with a different plan, because God always has a better plan, and God will always make a way for you as God's child. So, so Saul of Tarsus, his first ride in the city of Damascus was in a basket. Wow. That's not very glamorous, is it? I read about all these preachers today. They're glad to proclaim how many Bentleys they own, how many Rolls Royces are in their multiple car garages, how many square feet are in their house. And I just say, God, help us all. Paul's first ride of his first assignment when he left Damascus, going to Jerusalem, the first cart he rode in was a basket. And his disciples put the ropes on it and led him down over the wall because he was so notorious, he couldn't go out the regular way like normal people do. He couldn't go out through the gate because every gate was guarded by people that wanted to kill him. <coughs> you may not know it, but there's some people around who like to kill you too. Maybe not. They might not want to kill you physically. They want to kill your life in Christ. <clears throat> you know, one of the things I never do and I never like to do, I don't ever like to see anybody standing up in front of people guggling a bottle of water, but I've got to have one this morning. So, so if somebody can find me one and bring it to me, I will be so appreciative. <clears throat> I don't know what happened there. Anyway, maybe I don't need it, but I'll have it in case I do. So he led him down, they led him down in the basket over the wall. What a way to get out of Damascus. But he did. He escaped. And he went to Jerusalem. And guess what he did when he got to Jerusalem? He started preaching Christ again in the synagogue. He proclaimed to them how much, thank you, my brother Dominic. He proclaimed to them how Jesus of Nazareth was the Christ. And they didn't want to hear it in Jerusalem either. It was not a popular message. They were against it. And so what did they decide to do? They decided they would kill Saul. So the Jews in Jerusalem 
put another conspiracy together that they were going to kill Saul. His life was in danger everywhere he went. He couldn't even go to the temple to preach and teach because they were there trying to kill him. After a while, after his word had got around as to what he was doing, I'm looking for a place to put this. I guess that's as good as any. If I kick it over, it's okay. We'll mop it up. So, so he's in Jerusalem, and they and they and they put together another conspiracy that they're going to kill him. So what happens? Knowing that they were coming after him, his disciples, his friends, fellow believers got together. They somehow shrouded him, covered him, so they would get able to get him out of the city. And they took him from Jerusalem down to Caesarea, south down on the edge of the Sea of Galilee. And from there, they put him on a ship bound for Tarsus, which was his hometown, thinking, I guess, he'd be safe there. So now this is what I want to tell you. Everywhere that Saul, Paul, started preaching, when he first came to Jesus and first got Jesus' assignment to his life, what he was supposed to do, he started fulfilling the call, started doing the Lord's will, doing exactly what God told him to do, and all he ran into was opposition. There, everywhere he went, people wanted to kill him, from Damascus to Jerusalem. He didn't stay in Caesarea long enough to build up a crowd against him. He got out of there on the ship headed for Tarsus. But all through his ministry, there were people wanting to kill him. I'm saying that to tell you, you may think you're having a tough time, folks. And you may be. But with relationship to what others have been through, certainly the Apostle Paul, we've got a pretty good life, don't we? I preach in here, and I don't know that anybody has ever threatened to kill me for it. Maybe I've not said anything strong enough or important enough or controversial enough for somebody to want to kill me. I'm not trying to change that, by the way. But, but at least I've, I'm, I'm up here preaching, and I don't have to worry about somebody putting a coat around me to disguise who I am to get me out the door. Now, we'll pause just long enough to digress and say, we do have a safety plan in, at work in our church. The Ezekiel ministry. Because Ezekiel had men on the wall, watchmen on the wall. And so, and so going forward very soon, you may find us locking these side doors at 1045. Come earlier than that or don't come to those doors. Because we're, do, we're putting safety measures in place. And we're not going to talk about it. Not going to make you afraid. We haven't had any notice that anybody's on the way with an automatic rifle to shoot us up. But I will tell you, this is our dangerous days that we live in. I believe we would be negligent and, and remiss in our duties if we didn't put something in place. And so we're putting it in place. Step by step, this is going to be a safe place to be. If somebody comes in here trying to do harm, we've got people in place to go out and bop them on the head or grab them or do something. I mean, I'm not revealing the plan. I'm just saying we've got somebody out there to take care of it. Don't worry about it, okay? Now, I don't know if we can take that out of the sermon or not, but anyway, it'll be in there online too, I guess. It's okay. We need to know that. So, so Saul escaped and got away again. And always, sometimes, you know, it, there are obstacles that are put in our way. The enemy will raise up something that will keep us from going to where we want to go. We're going in this direction, and he tries to divert us to another direction. If you can't do that, he wants to shipwreck us, give us a car wreck, put something in our place that we cannot move forward doing the plan of God and God's will in our lives. But I want to tell you, if God has given you an assignment, God has directed you to a place in his kingdom, 
He's called you, and, and, and most of you he has. You may not know it yet, but he's put an assignment before you, and you need to recognize what it is and step up and do what God is leading you and calling you and telling you to do. It may be, it may be just something as simple as being in church every Sunday. Maybe just that simple. But that will be just a start because once you do one thing that God shows you to do, he'll give you something else that will be bigger and better than the last time. I had somebody tell me one time, they sent me a text and said, Pastor, I believe God is leading me to come to church more. I answered back, if you think God's leading you to do it, he is. <laughs> What's complicated about that? Now, if you said, I think God is leading me to go down to the bar on Saturday night, drink a little bit of booze, so I'll be mixing up with the rest of the people, and they'll all feel like I'm one of them, I would have said, you're off your rocker. You hadn't heard from God, you heard from the other side. But what we know is God is simple to do it. That person didn't do it, but, but when God tells you, you know there's something there that God is speaking to. And I am telling you, when you start trying to do what God has told you to do, you will encounter an obstacle. You will find yourself in a difficult place, a place of hardship that you did not expect, because that's what the enemy does. He raises up a mountain to keep us from going through. The songwriter said, sometimes it takes a mountain, sometimes a troubled sea. Sometimes it takes a mountain to trust you and believe. I think I mixed that up with another verse and put two of them together, but that's okay. I made the point. That may be a mountain that's in your way, but God will take care of that. God can move mountains. He can take you through them. He can answer everything that the enemy puts up as an obstacle to you, and you do not have to be hung up on anything saying, I can't do it. God must be leading me to do something I can't do. No, if God's speaking to you, and God's leading you, and God's leading in your life, and if you're a child of God, He is leading in your life, and the enemy puts the obstacle up there, here's what I want to tell you this morning. God will make a way for you. God will always make a way, just like He did for Saul, just like He's done for me so many times, just like He's done for some of you so many times. He'll do it for any child of God who is seeking to do His will. The enemy cannot stop you from doing God's will, if you purpose to do it, no matter what he puts up before you to, de to decline God's will, you say, no, I still will follow the Lord, and I will tell you that obstacle will be moved. God will take you through it, and you'll see the glory of his miracles when he sets you free to do his will. Hallelujah. We used to sing a little chorus. Have you ever heard that little chorus, God? Got any rivers you think are uncrossable? Got any mountains you can't tunnel through? God specializes in things thought impossible. And he'll do what no other one can do. Nobody ever heard that? How many of how many you ever heard that? Oh, yeah. All you old folks. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> how many of here ever heard that? How many out here ever heard that? Well, some of you, a few of God, any rivers you think are uncrossable? God, any mountains you can't tunnel through? God specializes in things thought impossible. 
And he will do what no other power can do. I'm out of breath for preaching. I'm out of breath for preaching. So if you've got any rivers you think you can't cross over, this is what God says. Isaiah 43, 2, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. And just for good measure, when you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned and the flame shall not consume you. That's a promise to the children of God that you will go through whatever is put before you to stop you if you're walking in the plan and purpose of God and doing God's will. If you believe it, say amen. Amen. I believe it. Amen. God in your rivers. The other second part says, God in the mountains you can't tunnel through. Well, Jesus talked about mountains several times. He said, if you have faith, you say, let this not move, it'll be moved. Now, listen, I want to make clear to you. Some of you may not understand this. When Jesus said that, he's not talking about you going out and saying to Mount Vesuvius, get out of my way. He's talking about the mountains of obstacles that the devil will put up to obstruct your life. And whatever that obstacle is, if you speak in faith, in Jesus' name, you can move that mountain and walk on it. It doesn't matter if God moves the mountain, if he tunnels you through it, if he shows you how to get around it, if he gives you strength to climb over it. The point of it is there's no mountain big enough to stop you if you're following God and doing his will because God will Make a way. That's God's plan. He'll always make a way for us. So God in the mountains. This is what this is what Isaiah said this, and then John Baptist quoted him in Luke chapter four. This is from Isaiah chapter forty, before John quoted him later on. It says, Every valley shall be raised up, every mountain and hill made low. The rough ground shall become level, the rugged places become a plain. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I believe it. And I believe the last part of that little chorus that says God specializes in things thought impossible. And he'll do what no other one can do. When the world tells you this is impossible, it can't be done. You can't do that even though you claim that God has told you to do it. You can't do that because this is too big an obstacle. There is no obstacle that is too big for God's power and grace, strength, and spirit. There's nothing too powerful that stands in the way that God cannot move and allow you to fulfill your purpose assignment that he's given you in your life. Whatever it is that's standing in your way, today God can move that mountain. Hallelujah. And he will. I'll tell you what. There are many, many people who have found that God will come to them in their darkest hour and in their greatest time of need. There are a lot of people. Listen, I want you to think about things I'm saying this morning. And in fact, I want you to jot down a couple of notes that something that maybe something I say this morning impresses you. I just feel so strongly right now. Some of you need to go home and tell some other people about this. You need to tell them a little bit of what, what I preached this morning. They need to hear it. You're thinking about somebody right now. That's who you need to share it with. And you can't tell them all I would just tell them to go to our website and listen to it. I'm preaching a message that a lot of people ought to hear. A lot of the people are not here to hear it. You know some of them. 
And I ask you to share it with them and tell them that what I'm telling you is that God's Word will bring you faith. Your faith in Him will allow Him to open up doors for you and take you through things that you never thought you could pass over or pass through. God will make a way for you for everything He's led you and called you to do because that's who God is. God is a way maker. Hallelujah. So in your greatest time of need, as has happened to so many people, when, when you're out in the, in the storm in the middle of the night and, 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 and it looks like the waves are going to take you down, if you look out over the sea, you might see Jesus walking on the water coming to you, coming to tell you everything is going to be all right. Hallelujah. More than one time he came to his disciples out in the middle of the sea, and the only way he could do it was by walking on the water to get to them. There weren't any bridges to get there, so he made his own bridge. And he got there to help them and save them and take care of the storm and leave them out of the storm. If your storm is cancer, if your storm is, 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 is any other illness, your storm is, 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 is lung problems, your storm is kidney problems, your storm is stomach problems, I want to tell you that God is the deliverer. I want to tell you that God is the one who makes a way. He's the one that will bring you through. He may do it in the way that you'd prefer it being done a different way. But God will bring you through, and God will make your way. Every time, he will do it. So you know, <laughs> there are some people that found out they, they were in a fiery furnace. And Nebuchadnezzar threw them in there. They said they heated the, the furnace seven times hotter than it had ever been heated before. Sometimes the devil will do that as a favor to Christians. He'll just burn it up higher than it's ever been before, <laughs> make it hotter than it's ever been before. And you find yourself in there. But look what happened to them. They looked around and there was another person in there walking around in the fire with them. And they weren't singed. They didn't have a smell of fire on them. They were walking around in the flames of the fire. And God sent somebody down there with them. And they looked in. And those people who didn't know enough to know, they just looked and said, That one looks like the Son of God. The reason it looks like the Son of God is because it was. So in the middle of your fire, in the fiery trial of life, whatever it is that is stirring you and bothering you, Jesus is there to bring you through it because he will make a way. I wonder what what our friend felt like when he was down in the lion's den. And he looked up and said, well, I thought one lion would be enough, but there's several of them in here. I thought they'd just one line be enough to take care of me. There's several of them just to make sure that I'm eating up before this night's over. So Daniel lay down to rest. What else could he do? One of the lions came up, and he leaned back on him and made that his pillow. And God closed their mouths and made them peace and calm for the rest of the night. And the next morning, they got up and looked down there. And instead of seeing a bloody mess all over the place, Daniel said, It's about time for me to get out. I think it's time for breakfast. Because God knows the name of every lion that's going to come against you and attack you. God knows the nature of everyone. He knows what to do with every one of them. Whether you just need to slay them right now or put them to sleep or change their nature, whatever it is, there's nothing too great for God to do. Because when God is working in your life and the enemy raises an obstacle, don't worry about it. Because God will make a way. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You may sometimes feel like you're chained to the wall. I felt this way. Like I was in a dungeon cell, chained to the wall. The guard's out there as if I could get away anyhow. And I'm there not knowing where I'm going or how I'm going to get away. When that happened to Peter one time, the Lord sent a little earthquake. 
shook everything and set him free. And he got up and started walking out as the Lord told him to do it. He thought he was dreaming. When he got out on the outside and was smelling fresh air and the breeze on him, he realized this is real. This is not a dream. This is real. Because God had broken the chains. God had loosed him from the bondage. God had put the guards to sleep. God had opened the doors that were locked and sealed and walked out into into, into perfect air, into an experience of victory because God found a way to set him free. God had a calling. God had a ministry for him. God had an assignment for him. And so God set him free. Wow. Oh, my goodness. It's 11.59. I shouldn't have told you. You wouldn't have known it. <laughs> you know, I talked about being in the middle of a storm. I can't say it too much because some of us are in the middle of a storm. Paul was in the middle of that, that, that boat that was on its way to Rome with several stops. And they got near the island of Malta. A great storm rose up. And the Lord told Saul, Paul now, the Lord told Paul, if everyone will stay with the ship, they'll all be saved. They were trying to get off the ship to get away. You'll be saved if you stay with the ship. Paul went up and said, the angel of God, whose I am and whom I serve, told me that if we will not abandon the ship, we will all be saved. Well, they didn't have any lifeboats. They didn't have a way to get away. So when the ship crashed, the ship actually crashed and just it crumbled and disintegrated. All of them were thrown into the sea. There were 276 of them. And guess what? When they built the fire on the little island of Malta and they started counting all the crew and the prisoners, they counted. And how many were there that got safe out on the land? 276 of them because God doesn't leave anybody behind. When God's working his miracles, he works it for everybody who believes him. He doesn't leave anybody out. He's not going to leave you out. He's got a miracle for you, what you need in your life right now for victory, for victory in him. He's got that miracle that you need because he is for us. He's not against us. He is for us in all that we do. Listen, folks, we're king's kids. We're royalty. The Bible says we are a royal generation. We're royalty because we're king's kids. If we've been saved and brought into his family, we are sons and daughters of the king of glory. And nothing can defeat us. Nothing. That's why the Bible says we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. More than conquerors through him who loved us. And some of you are thinking right now, I don't feel much like a conqueror, Pastor. You don't have to feel like it. You just have to believe it. And I know somebody who feel like it's been a long time. I do. I do. I, I, there are times that I feel like it's been so long. God, when are you going to answer? When is your promise going to be fulfilled? The Lord's been speaking to me about that over these last few days. And I believe he's helping me. I believe he's helped me to see. The Lord promised me he'd give me the greatest victory I'd ever had. I waited, I waited, waited, I prayed about it. I didn't know what it was. I'm still not positive, but what I think it is, I think that greatest victory is God's going to fill up this church, every seat in it, with people who need to be saved, brought to Jesus, have their lives changed, and fill up every seat in this place before we're through. And I'll count that as the greatest victory when God does that. Hallelujah. We can seat about 425 in here in one service, but we can always go to another one too. Because God's got people... God's got people who are going to see his glory and come and be a part of what God is doing. So you may think that he's late. He's never late. He's got his own time, but he's never late. 
became the Lazarus tomb, went to Bethany, got there four days after Lazarus had died. And both sisters said to him, Master, if you had been here, our brother would not have died. In other words, if you had been here four days ago, he could have been saved. It looks like it's too late now, though. When Jesus said, Tell him come into the tomb, Mary said, What purpose is that? You've been there four days. By now, there's a strong odor. Take me to the tomb. Jesus walked up to the front to the tomb of Lazarus. He looked around at it and cried out. That's the people he had wept as he started over there. Now he spoke with a loud, authoritative voice. Lazarus, come forth. Somebody said he called his name because if he hadn't, everybody in the graveside around would have got up and walked out. So he said, Lazarus, I'm talking to you. Come forth. And then the stone had already been rolled away. He started walking out. He was, had the grave clothes were still on him, hanging down from his shoulders and from his waist and his side. He came out not looking like a corpse, but looking like somebody who had been raised from the dead. And God's got that miracle in your life and mine, my friend, if we will just keep on trusting him. When they looked around and said, oh, if Jesus had been here, this wouldn't have happened. But Jesus said, this is for God's glory. And came and he touched that stone and moved it away, called out the name of Lazarus and called it forth because he wants us to know that he works on his own calendar. He works on his own time. But when he gets here, he's got the miracle with him. Hallelujah. He's going to bring Lazarus out of the tomb when he gets up here and cries out, Lazarus, come forth. And that's the miracle, friend. You may be waiting. You may be looking around and say, oh, the tomb is closed up. It's too late. I thought God was going to come and help me. Change that thinking and say it hasn't come yet because it isn't God's time yet. But God's time is right around the corner. The clock's almost ticked onto the hour of God's great moving in your life. And it's time to believe that God will make a way for everything he's told you he wants to do. Hallelujah. Stand up with me, please. Stand with me, please. I said, stand up. There's no other way to stand but up, is there? <laughs> Hallelujah. You know what? If I were out there where you are right now, and somebody preached a message like this, and when he said, come on here to this altar if you want a touch from God, I'd try to be the first one there. I'd be able to take exactly the spot I wanted because I'd get up. That's what I'm going to say to you right now. If you want encouragement from God, whatever it is, Maybe you've never walked to this altar before. Maybe any other one, for all I know. Maybe you've never walked to this altar before. This needs to be the first time. Some of you folks come in here to sing in the music program. You might need to be at the altar instead of up here singing. Just a suggestion. Just an idea. Talking to everybody here. If you want a touch from God, it's time to believe Him for it. Don't you agree? It's time to believe Him for it. Come on, do this song. Come on right now. 